Everybody loves chalupas. Everybody wants some now. If you're one to want chalupas, I'm the one to make you how. Wait, show you. Damn. Hey kids, this is Rish Outfield. And you have the misfortune of listening to the Rish Outcast. I am your ever-loving host, Rish Benjamin Outfield, and I am driving. Duh, right? The fact that you can't hear me at all should have been a giveaway. But it is... Oh, it's only 92. I thought it was 97 degrees, and I wasn't going to put the windows up, especially since I'm just driving in town, and uh, ah, I'm over-explaining. If you're just joining us, I am irritating and always alone, and occasionally I write things, and I occasionally, when I've written something, I share it on this show. It is sad, really. Speaking of sad, I got a story to tell you today. It is um, a very short story called The Visitor. And uh, actually, that's technically not its name. Well, there, that's a tease. I will have, I will say that and then not explain until after the story. I'm also, um, oh, goodness, the buttons on my blouse keep coming open. I, I don't know how that could happen. See, that's the, I'm that kind of tease as well. Um, this is a very short story. Instead of trying to explain the whole backstory for it, I will just play it. And then when you come back, I will back its story up. <sighs> I'm not very good at this, kids. Enjoy. The Visitor by Rish Outfield. The old woman returned to her little house later than she had planned. This was a special week for her, spending it with Marcella, her only granddaughter. They had gone to the next village to sell the flowers they had picked, and a festival had been going on there. For hours they had watched the laughing and singing and dancing until the old woman's joints began to hurt, and it was time to get back. They joked and gossiped as they walked through the woods and carefully stepped on the rocks to cross the little stream. As they passed over the ridge right before the old woman's house, she noticed something odd. Hers was a tiny one-bedroom home at the edge of the woods, a drab brown from top to bottom, so the note posted to the door drew her attention well before she reached her house. "'Looks like we had a visitor,' the old woman said, and took the paper from a nail on the door. "'What does it say, Grandma?' the girl asked too young to read herself. The woman read aloud, "'I came looking for you, but you weren't home. I will try back later. Cordially, death.' The old woman gasped. "'What does it mean?' asked the child. "'Nothing,' her grandmother lied. "'A mistake is all.' She thought about her health lately. She had suffered through a minor cold and the regular aches and pains of old age, but she hadn't been sick recently, 
and felt no indication that her time was coming. But now she was afraid. As the next day passed, she tried to occupy herself and her granddaughter enough to forget about the visitor and his impending return. They played games, ate together, spoke of many different subjects, and read from the woman's favorite book. But she kept glancing nervously toward the door, wondering if he might be there, waiting for her to go outside so he could get her. He didn't come that day. But during the night, the old woman was awakened by a banging on the door. It was a heavy sound, more a pounding than a knocking. The visitor had returned. "'What is it?' Marcella asked beside her. "'Quiet,' whispered her grandmother. "'Say nothing.' After a while, the knocking stopped, and the little girl went back to sleep. The old woman found it quite impossible, though. She thought of all the ways she could die, all the things that might befall an old person, the accidents that might occur. She would be careful, but she couldn't prevent everything. When dawn finally arrived, the old woman slowly unlocked her door and opened it. No one was there, but the visitor had left another note. I came by again, but no one answered the door. I will return soon. Death. The little girl came to her side. What are you going to do, Grandma? she asked. What could she do? They hadn't enough food to last them forever. Sooner or later, for one reason or another, she would have to venture outside. The old woman's heart began to beat harder. Her chest hurt. This kind of stress was dangerous, and only got worse the longer it went on. Grandma, are you all right? It seemed harder for the old woman to catch her breath, and she asked herself, Is this it? A heart attack? Has the time arrived? Marcella, the old woman said, I want you to go, run to the next village, and get Dr. Contreras. Bring him back here with his medical bag. I'll stay here and not go outside till he comes. Okay, said the child, and slipped through the door. As soon as the girl had gone, the old woman feared it had been a mistake. She didn't want to be alone, especially if her time to die had come. She rose from her bed and ran to the door to call the girl back. She flung it open just in time to see the little girl disappearing over the ridge. "'Marcella, wait!' she shouted and went after her. The old woman reached the ridge, her heart pounding, and there he stood, the angel of death, his black cloak blowing in the breeze, his scythe tall and sharp in his hand. He stood by the stream and slowly turned to face the old woman. His skeleton face was gray and imposing, but not hateful, only solemn. He spoke with a voice as dry as the deadest rock in the desert. I hope you made good use of your two extra days.
Please, woman. She didn't know what to say, but simply nodded. She had read to the girl, sang with her, left something of herself on the child. At least, the angel of death took a step aside, and the old woman saw it, the little body floating in the stream. Her granddaughter had slipped while crossing it, and had drowned. Tears fell down the old woman's cheeks as she dropped to her knees in realization. Death reached over and helped the child rise from the water. But it was not Marcella. It was Marcella's soul. Death took it by the hand and began to walk away. Thank you for the nice visit, the girl said, sounding sad, but also comforted. Goodbye, Grandma. The old woman stayed on her knees for a while longer, until they began to hurt too much to bear. She stood. The body of her granddaughter still floated in the stream, but the dark figure and his prize were gone. Goodbye, the old woman said. The End So, that was The Visitor. That is a story I wrote here. Sorry about that. I don't know what, what what's up with that voice. So two things I want to say about the story, though, uh, that came from two different places. First is, in the early 2000s, there was a website. Uh, it was a horror website that would have writing contests. And I've explained before, although I can't think of what story I uh, would have put here on the show that was one of those, but I, I feel like I've explained it before. They would have a contest. I, I don't know if it was monthly or bi-monthly or, or probably it was quarterly uh, where they would say, this is a picture that is the jumping off point. This should be your inspiration. Write a story based on this. Of course, they said it without all the weird little breaks in the middle of sentences. Um, William Shatner is my uh, grandfather, kids. I guess he would be my dad, not my grandfather. He could, he's my honorary grandfather. Rish, just get to the point. So uh, the very first one that I did for that contest was a story I wrote called Halloween Night. And preview of coming attractions, or flashback to previously on the Rish Outcast, in case I've already run that, that is my Halloween 2017 episode. So I'm going to run Halloween night. You know, it's just random, the order in which I air these things. I try to switch it up a little bit if there's a story with a teen girl protagonist. I don't want to air it really close to the last story with a teen girl protagonist. <sighs> Sorry, guys. I, like I said, I'm, I'm not very good at this. But uh, Halloween Night was the first one that I wrote for this website. And after I sent them that story, 
they said, okay, uh, here's an amendment to the rules. All of the stories have to be 500 words or less. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I totally believe that I am responsible for the creation of that particular rule. So this, I believe, was the first story I wrote under that new regulation of 500 words. And it's very basic. It's it's short, simple story. Um, but it wasn't always so simple. I mean, it's been too long now to remember exactly how much longer the first draft was from the 500-word draft. I, I've explained before that sometimes that can be agonizing. Sometimes it's so much work to get a story from like 1,200 words down to 500, you know, that sort of thing, that it's not even worth entering the contest, but I will. The other thing that's interesting about this story is that Unlike anything else I've ever written through to the end, I actually wrote this in English and in Spanish. I, I, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, and I got to practice a lot of Spanish there. Uh, I had a couple of co-workers who were Mexican, and their first language was Spanish and second was English, and I think a couple of them enjoyed listening to me try to speak it. And so I got it in my head that I would write it in both languages, that because the protagonist was an old lady, I would write a Spanish version of it for my grandmother, who was Mexican and spoke enough English to get by, but was never comfortable with it. In fact, when I was a little boy, like a toddler, living in California, she would take care of me, and Spanish was my first language. I, I don't remember those days, but people talk about it, and um, as an adult, I really tried to communicate with her, to connect with my grandma, and the only way to do that was through Spanish, and so I thought that she would enjoy reading this. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's foolish because A, you know, it's not the kind of story that my grandmother would love. But two, it's also, I, I found that it was so hard to write the same story in Spanish. My vocabulary is so much more limited than it, it, it is in English. And, and in those days when I was writing this, my Spanish was so much better than it is now. I wouldn't even try now. But this was an exercise, you know, this was an experiment. See if I could do this. I mean, for example, here is a paragraph of the story in the original version. Me parece que hemos tenido un visitante. La viejita dijo, y sacó al papel del clavo en la puerta. ¿Qué dice, abuela? Preguntó la muchacha, demasiado joven para leer. La mujer leyó en voz alta. Vine buscándote. 
pero no estuviste en casa. Trataré más tarde, cordialmente, la muerte. Now, I don't know if you have any Spanish background, but if you don't, that's me reading with a fair pronunciation, but I'm never going to pass for a native speaker. It just, it takes a dedication, a focus to speak another language so well that you are no longer a foreigner. Gosh, it's so weird to try to explain it. Either you get it because you speak another language or you don't. But if you work hard enough on speaking another language, your brain shifts and you begin to dream in that language and you begin to think in that language. You no longer have to translate mentally. It just becomes how you're thinking. And, and, and I haven't been there for a long, long time. It's, it's okay. So my grandmother died in 2003 and I believe I wrote this in 2002. And once she died, I almost never practiced it with anyone. I didn't have to. Like my mom and my uncles and my aunt all speak fluent English and it's their go-to language. And the only time they would ever speak Spanish would be among one another when they didn't want the children to hear, to understand. And yeah, I haven't spoken Spanish with my mom um, for years. And, and when I did, it was that for that purpose, like a code that only we understood. But also, yeah, my Spanish is terrible now. I, at work, I would speak it on Sundays um, because that's when I would run into Hispanics all the time. And I found they were frustrated and I was frustrated by it because my, I just, it, the skill has atrophied to the point where I'm no longer fluent in Spanish and uh, I'm probably no longer even good at Spanish. It's sad because I, I used to be quite proud of that. I, 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 I did really well with that language and it was a neat way that I could communicate with my grandmother. You know, she lived in Las Vegas with my uncle. He built a little guest house for her where she could live by herself and feel independent even though she wasn't. And when I would come to visit her in Vegas, she would always want me to take her to Arizona Charlie's, which is a casino. I think it's on Charleston. Maybe it's Decatur. I don't know. She always wanted to go to Arizona Charlie's. And I, I don't know why, because she didn't live by Arizona Charlie's. But it was she liked the name or she liked the setup or yeah, I don't really know what the deal was with that. But I would take her she had a little bit of money that she wanted to gamble and she would go to the slot machines and sit down and she would gamble it away. She would put it into the machines and that would always frustrate me because I was young and money was so, I don't want to say few and far between or precious, but you know what I'm saying? When I was young and a college student and then after college when I was living in LA, I had so little money that to see her throw it away always upset me. But see, I didn't really understand that. I guess to her it was 
I don't know, a game or it was a pastime or something. You, you see that with senior citizens where they go to a casino and they just sit there and they pump the machine, the money into the machine with no expectation that they're going to strike it rich. It's just something that they do. And, and with her, she would win. And then I'd be like, okay, Tita, it's time to go. Or I would say it in Spanish, sorry. And she'd be like, no, 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 just a little while longer. And she would put it back into the machine until it was gone. And that bugged me. And, and uh, when I would complain to my uncle about it, he'd be like, well, none of us take her to Arizona, Charlie's. You're the only one that takes her to gamble. I guess he thought that I was an enabler. But it was also just none of the rest of us can stand wasting our time with that. And, and see, now that she's gone, and she's been gone for going on 15 years now, I don't see it as a waste of time. I just saw it as something that we did together, and that's neat. But I can see her children just rolling their eyes and thinking, you know, there are better ways to spend your time than to sit and watch her at a slot machine. Sorry about that. That was, that was an overshare. That was not intended to be part of this episode I don't have a lot to say about the visitor or el visitante. Yeah, sometimes Spanish is so close to English that it's just like, okay, it was not a great accomplishment that I learned to speak it. The story is very short. It's very simple. Oh, okay, one more thing that I was going to share with you. The picture that they included on the website was a black and white drawing like a Gustavo Dore kind of thing, or I mean, I don't even know if I if Gustavo Dore is who I think it is. Drawing of the Grim Reaper walking through the woods with a little girl holding his hand. And that was our jump off point. That was our um, supposed to inspire us. And so it did. It inspired this story. But when I submitted the story to the contest, the response I got back was, well, yeah, this story's all right. Way too predictable, though. <laughs> and the th thing is, okay, I, I understand what they're saying. <laughs> but I don't feel like the story would be predictable if it weren't for that drawing of death with a child. Uh, I mean, <laughs> the way I wrote it, you're supposed to believe that death is after the old lady. And so... Well, I, you know, maybe I'm too close to it. Maybe it is predictable. But we can just agree to disagree on that. I don't know. I, f I find this to be um, a pretty competent little tale. And, uh, yeah, it's, it. I set off to write a certain thing, and this is that. You know, I succeeded. It's never going to win any awards. I mean, it lost the contest. <laughs> but, yeah, just between you and me, all of the stories that I submitted to that particular contest lost. But the reward was in the doing of that. I, I haven't entered a contest in a while. Oh, well, you know, I take that back. Just this year, I wrote a story for a... Oh, no, it wasn't for a contest. It was for a magazine. A magazine had submissions and they had certain guidelines and they wanted a new story, you know, had been previously unpublished and then it had to have 
it had to follow a certain theme. And so I sat down and I wrote this story and I, I thought it was all right. Maybe it's not, but I thought it was all right. And uh, I got a letter, a rejection letter from the magazine saying, yeah, the story's all right. It, it didn't grab me. You know, good luck with your endeavors or whatever. And that didn't crush me. That didn't bum me out or anything like that. Maybe a tiny bit, but not like it used to where I got a rejection letter. And it's like, oh, no. And it, it followed me like a black cloud. This was just, oh, okay, well, I don't even feel like I wasted my time going back to that idea. I, I imagine that you'll hear that story on this show at some point. It's called In Exchange at a Harvest Festival. And um, if I do do that on this show, then you'll get to judge for yourself. But again, just because the magazine didn't accept the submission doesn't mean that it was a waste of time. We'll discuss that in the future because I've, I've decided I would do more of these type stories on the show because they're out there. Why not? I always want new content and I always want to present stories. And I, I feel like, even though there's not a lot of you out there, that you want to hear them too. Anyway, I hope you liked The Visitor. And uh, I hope you like me, really. I'm going to uh, leave you alone. But uh, thank you again for listening to my show. Thank you for supporting me on Patreon. Uh, if you'd like to do that, you, you're w more than welcome. It's, there's a, a range of amounts that you can donate, but yeah, you can donate as little as a dollar an episode and you get the shows early and you get monthly addresses that are just for you. And I try to put up little bonus things every month or so that don't show up anywhere else. I, I, I try. I really try to reward those supporters patreon and so if you'd like to join them yes you are more than welcome anyhow i have been rich outfield this has been the rich outcast and you have been uh, pretty cool thanks the podcast you have just listened to was produced under a creative commons non-commercial no derivatives license share it while you still have the chance special thanks to kevin mcleod of Incompetech.com for the music so inexpertly used in this episode. Are you insulting him or me? You. Mele Kalikimaka. How did Uncle Ray talk? The ancient pre-human race of hyper-intelligent cephalopods who once lived here thought such disturbances heralded the imminent arrival of the Peshtiri Mobdibeli, Mobdibelig, heralded the imminent arrival of the Peshtiri Mobdibelig. Peshtiri Mobdibelig, heralded the imminent arrival of the Peshtiri Mobdibelig. A man seemed, a man seemed to materialize beside Dave's dad's elbow. A man seemed to materialize beside dad. A man seemed to materialize beside Dad's left elbow. A man seemed to materialize beside Dad's left elbow, making him yelp again. I think the Peshtiri Moby Dick.
I think the Peshtiri Moby Dbeli Moby Mobdi I think the Peshtiri Moby I think the Peshtiri Mobdi Deli I think the Peshtiri Mobdi Delig I think the Peshtiri Mobdi Mobdi Belig Peshtiri Mobdi Belig is very real is very real the newcomer said. Would you like to see the grim aperture from which infinite trans-dimensional horrors will emanate unless the... <laughs> from which infinite trans-dimensional horrors will emanate unless the Peshtiri Mobidig Belig... Fuck. Will emanate unless the Peshtiri Mobidig... Mobidig Belig... Will emanate unless the Peshtiri Mobdi Belig, unless the unless the Peshtiri Mobdi Mobdi Belig, unless the Peshtiri Mobdi Belig is suitably appeased. When the conjunction occurs, the Peshtiri Mobdi Mobdi Belig, the Peshtiri Mobdi Mobdi Belig. The Peshtiri Mobdi Belig will emerge, and em Your father began ranting about the interstitial gods, and horrible visions of the time before time, and tearing aside the thin curtain of consensual reality to reveal the terrible truths that lurked beneath. <clears throat> the Peshtiri Mobdi Belig. The Peshtiri Mobdi Belig asked. The Peshtiri Mobdi Belig asked. You urinated into the ancient urn of Peshtiri Mobdi Mobdi Belig. Why? Peshtiri Mobdi Belig? You urinated into the ancient urn of Peshtiri Mobdi Belig? Fucking lady on the fucking phone nearly ran into me, and then, yeah, she doesn't even acknowledge that I'm there. She's like, what? What? Oh, oh, sorry. Somebody wanted me to go.